This is a Federal News Network podcast. By some estimates, the United States has 500,000 unfilled cybersecurity positions. The government is competing with the private sector for scarce cyber talent. And now the Department of Homeland Security is tackling the problem through a new cyber service program. For what this is all about, Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. Justin, tell us about this program. It is happening through the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. Right. It's called the Cybersecurity Talent Management System, or CTMS. The interim final regulations to start the program go into effect November 15th, so we're less than a month away. The program is an accepted service program outside of the general schedule and essentially gives DHS more leeway in how they define requirements for a cybersecurity position, who they hire, how they pay them. So CISA hosted a cyber workforce forum last week, and Angela Bailey, DHS's chief human capital officer, talked about some of the key differences for CTMS. So the cyber talent management system is has many different parts to it. One of the key parts is is that um, looking at it from a from a work standpoint, it's really like assessing employees um, or potential applicants from their um, based on their skills and what they bring to the table versus trying to fit everybody neatly into a specific little position. And then on top of that, it has a compensation structure that is really based around market-sensitive pay versus the general schedule. That's Angela Bailey, DHS's chief human capital officer. So CISA and the DHS chief information officer's office are the first two DHS subcomponents that are going to be able to take advantage of this program, and, and then it can expand from there. Bailey said it will start with about 150 positions. So for CISA, their cybersecurity mission is ever-expanding. Nitin Nadarajan is deputy director at CISA, and he talked about how the agency is gearing up for the program. Really focused on ensuring our, our hiring managers and our mm-hmm. supervisors in the organization are well-versed in CTMS and how to use it correctly, mm-hmm. how to hire, how to retain within that, within that construct. So I know throughout the, our organization, at least, we're thrilled to have this opportunity and, and to know it's right around the corner. That's Nadarajan, deputy director at CISA. All right. So we heard about the authorities and what they're going to be doing. What about the kind of people CISA is actually looking at? through this program? Is it fine arts majors or cybersecurity computer science types? That's an interesting question. It's it's actually kind of wide open, but one of the common threads that officials are talking about is that they really want to take advantage of the program to hire non-traditional people, who people who have followed maybe not the, you know, college, master's degree, uh, straight into the career kind of path. Here's Nadarajan again. We have a lot of our workforce that's in reskilling or upskilling later on in their careers. We have a lot of people coming into the cyber industry, not when they're 18 years old, but also later in life. And I think this will allow us that flexibility to tap into that whole diversity of the nation into our workforce Mm -hmm. uh, as we continue to hire. We can hire 18-year-old kids out of high school, as you mentioned, that are you know maybe the world's cutting edge cybersecurity and bring them into federal service in a way that the traditional hiring under Title V would not allow us to do. That's Nadarajan from CISA again. And the other point that officials made is that this cybersecurity label under CTMS can actually be defined pretty loosely. It's not just people who are well-versed in coding. Here's Angela Bailey again. As the needs of cybersecurity ebb and flow, whether it's from a policy standpoint, attorneys, as an example, you know, folks that might do financial kinds of cyber work, whatever the needs might be, it is designed to ebb and flow based on what those needs are so that you can bring people in to meet those needs. And that's Angie Bailey, the Chico of the Homeland Security Department. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. And Justin, how does 
retaining people once you get them into the government. Is that part of the program also? Yeah, that's a great point. There's a lot of excitement around maybe how people can switch careers uh, who are already working for DHS by transitioning into CTMS. It'll be more easy to switch careers by joining the new service. Nadarajan uh, from CISA talked about that a little bit as well. I want to help people with whatever their next step is. Hopefully it's with us. Hopefully mm -hmm. if it's outside, so mm -hmm. be it. But how do we help retain you and grow you professionally within the organization? And then if you're going to leave momentarily, let's keep the conversation going and hopefully try to bring you back in after you, you get more experience. That sounds good, but there's a big government out there. And does CISA, does the administration, I guess, is sanctioning this program, do they expect this to be something that all federal agencies would be able to use to get their own cyber people in? Well, right now, DHS is the only department with the authority to use CTMS. That's under a 2014 law, actually. So it took seven years for this to come together. But Bailey did say that there are already conversations about how perhaps other agencies could leverage a program like this in the future. I will tell you that OMB, I'm, I think it has always really at least wanted us to think about how do we then make use of this for CISA for the rest of the federal government, right? For the cybersecurity mission for the rest of the federal government. So I wouldn't be surprised if eventually, you know, that this starts to spread out amongst the other federal agencies, but they too would need the same kind of legislative authority that we received in order to do it. And that's Angie Bailey, DHS's chief human capital officer. And as you said, this program doesn't get underway until November 15th. In case agencies would like to get more information about it, where can they go, Justin? Right. Well, the, the DHS is pointing people to their website to get more information about you know, how this will work for applicants and for employees who maybe want to transition into it. And, and as I mentioned before, Angie, Angie Bailey said they're going to start out with about 150 positions, and, and then it's up to CISA as to where it goes from there. Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday, thanks so much. Thank you. Check out his story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. And during his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual, actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, 
it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style and how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. 
What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment. And it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, And I might add that um, any proceeds from the book Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons and in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And and, uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, During my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. Celebrate this holiday season by sending money to your loved ones with Western Union. As a new customer, you can enjoy a $0 transfer fee when you send money online. For fast and reliable money transfers, use Western Union. Visit westernunion.com or download our app today to get started and your first transfer fee is on us. Services offered by Western Union Financial Services, Inc., NMLS 906983, or Western Union International Services, LLC, NMLS 906985. FX Gain Supply. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.